my name is Brittany Rogers, and I just finished my yearly reread of Song of Solomon. And I'm low-key embarrassed to say that this year, like every year, I absolutely cried at the end. <laughs> so that's where I'm at. Hi, my name is Ajani Dawkins, and the highlight of my month was buying a blue sheer mesh rhinestone dress that I have no clue where I'm going to wear it to. A spoiler alert is that I saw her in that dress. <laughs> and you need to be wherever she going to be at in that dress is the moral of the story. I'm going to have to go to Target in the dress because I ain't got nowhere to go. <laughs> <but> like, <laughs> I'm going to stroll through the aisles of like a Target and just... <laughs> I'm not going to let you go out like that. Best. <laughs> Anywho, we are your co-host of Versus, the podcast where poets confront the ideas that move them. And today we're going to be interviewing Golden, which we're super excited for. Before we get to that, Bess, how you doing today? Um, <laughs> oh, I feel like I was going to sound like an old person, but I was going to say, you know what I mean? I'm living. I woke up this morning and Laura shined on me. <laughs> woke up with air in my lungs. You heard me. So that's oh. where I'm at. <laughs> Okay, I am curious. This is actually something you and I talk about quite a bit, is how we process our parents um, and our family members and how that's shifted as we grow older and and become newer versions of ourselves. I'm curious what made you realize your parents were people? Ooh, um... I don't think I realized my mother was a person like, you know, and obviously she's a person, she's a human being, but I don't think I conceptualized what that meant until I had kids. Um, and I mean, luckily, <laughs> although she did not think it was a luckily when it happened, but I had my first child, I think I was 20-ish, somewhere in there. So by that point, I was like, oh, you mean you want me to deal with all of these things and a kid? Mm. And I think that gave me a new kind of lens to look at my mother through. And I think um, my my family is very private is, is probably the best word for it. So I also think that part of the gap was that I didn't know some of the things my mother been through because she's very private. So I think that once I was old enough to have some of that lived experience, then I could start connecting the dots based off what I knew, as opposed to waiting on her to tell me some things and kind of having to imagine, like, filling in the gaps for myself. But I think that did a lot for me. And frankly, it did a lot for our relationship. Um, because I think before where I had, like, all of these idealized things that I wished that she had said or, like, vulnerability that I wish that she had shown, I think. Once I saw her as a person, it was like, oh, girl, <laughs> vulnerability is the last thing on your mind right now. So let me tighten up. <laughs> yeah, You know what I mean? What about you? Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. I feel like this has been my answer for so many questions on this podcast. But you. <laughs> <laughs> it really has been my answer for like, a ton of things. It has. We, me and you were talking and you have the very, you know, special place in my life of knowing me and my mess of my teenage years where I was an absolute terror and. (laughs) Was a problem, y'all. 
I was <laughs> okay. Go ahead, Bess. <laughs> <laughs> you had a lot of context for how I had been talking about my mom for years. We were having a conversation, and in that conversation, I think you ultimately asked me a version of this question. Um, and it was probably a conversation where I was complaining or fussing about my mom, butting heads with my mom the way we all do. And you just asked me about my ability to view her as a woman and not just my mother. Um, and that wrecked me. <laughs> and <sent> me. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? That's my mama. Like, <laughs> um. And since then, I've almost that and a combination of other things, a combination of me hitting these milestones of womanhood in my own right of womanhood and and adulthood, I think not just gave me greater empathy for her, but gave me like an admiration um, for her and also made me realize there's so many versions of my mother that I would never see. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some things that I might be able to peek in and like a fly on the wall. Like if her mm-hmm. girls are over, I might be able to peek in and see her getting like loose and free and letting her hair down. But I'm never going to know my mom. Like once that door closes and there's no children, you know, and mm-hmm. none of her children are in the room. And I was like talking to one of her best friends recently, um, And I asked her to describe my mom like when they were growing up and she described her as fearless. And that wrecked me because in my entire life, that's the last word I would have used to describe my mother. Mm. So I think part of realizing my mom was a person is realizing I've had access to one specific dimension of her. And that is the version of her that has to mother me. And and that been messing me up because I'm like, you can't even be the version of yourself that doesn't have to mother me. Mm-hmm. It doesn't exist. Like it doesn't exist. You don't know how to show up and not be my mom. So you can't do that here. So, ooh, we ain't even got to the interview yet. My eyes watering. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> like- I guess Golden also made us think about family in a way that was so thought-provoking and that tugged so much on our emotions but also just on the way that we conceptualize the people who we think that we know so we're so excited for you to listen to this interview golden is a black gender conforming photographer poet and community organizer raised in hampton virginia currently residing in boston massachusetts and brooklyn new york They are the author of A Dead Name That Learned How to Live and the photographic self-portraiture series on learning how to live, documenting Black trans life at the intersection of surviving and living in the United States. Golden's published and collaborative work can be found on Instagram or through their website, goldengoldengolden.com. Golden, we would love it if you would do us the honor of opening up with a poem. Yeah, I'll definitely, I'll start with the poem. I was like, where to begin? But I feel like this is a great one to start off with. Um, This poem is for my dad. It's called uh, To Dance With My Father, and it's from my book called A Dead Name That Learned How to Live. Boy untitled, stomach splitter, my son, I forgot my dreams. When you were born, I filled you in the blank every day, oxygen and ink. No one told me how much I would bleed while being a father. Don't call me Fat Almond. 
Don't call me a home haunted. Don't call me gone, gone. Don't disrespect me like that. You know who I am. I drove you to the therapist before myself. Fuck me. Who trains me for this? This black hiding, this police parenting. You forget I have to duck too. Subtract every bullet from this world and you'll still end up someone's sin. Dad said if you can't balance a checkbook, how can you hold a child? A gun, a myth, a pedestal, a parent. I did what I knew how to hold. I don't understand the way you paint your face with your mother's smile, but I see there's God in you. We made you this way. Sometimes love, sometimes disappointment. I am my father's lung, my mother's illnesses she keeps hidden in her jewelry box. And yes, we can call them ill now. They're dying. That's growth. Everyone swims away from you and I'm not sorry cause we, cause I'm a parent that way. We want to fix everything we didn't have. We are children that way. This is how I became a man. Your father tell me you did nothing and I'll tell you about the carcasses I collect in your baby book. A dozen sons taffied out to be your red carpet. Me fist deep in someone's soft desert for you. I remember my dream now. Can you hold my fathering in my mind when you think of me? Do you think of me even when I spit, even when I'm hooked in your jaw miles? Golden, sun sign, you fly like a raven's wing, like a lesson's lesion, like your mother. I'm learning the ground is the sky sometimes. You hear me? I'm trying to fill in my blank to live up to my own name. I just want to say that both the parent and a child of you right now are shook. <laughs> shook. Jesus, Golden. I've been I've been listening to you read poems for like, shoot, how old am I now? Dang, for like eight years. And I feel like I never not wanted to throw something at you. Just like. <laughs> <laughs> for what reason? You know what I mean? Why would you do that to us? It got to the name me an illness or my mother's illness in the jury box. I says, Golden. Thank y'all. Thank y'all. I really appreciate it. I'm excited. I have a lot of thoughts. I think listening to you read now, I think I start categorizing people in lineage. Um, And it's so wild to me how like deep you are, like how clearly I see you and like these other Black Southern voices that are coming out. There's something that's happening. It's something in the water. Listen, it's something in the water. Been there, okay? okay? I love the sound. The voices are so, I hate to use the word urgent because I don't like the way folks use that word with Black people, with Black writers. So I want to look for another word. Um, and I'm going to get to, to some, some of this in, in questions in the interview. But there's something that is like so like visceral in the way that it's moving um it's like a heartbeat <laughs> I, yes. I don't know how else to explain it that's 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 I was coming. about to say it's because the poems are, are living they're palpable yeah they're, like it's they're doing things they're active mm-hmm. yeah and I love that you land on that word living because I feel like the thing that I've been trying to I guess like articulate is a living archive and I feel like that's a lot of like where my work comes from like how do you document like the life? I feel like a lot of people write about other things, but I'm so interested in like having poems be a conversation or have them show a conversation, right? Like how do they hold this like thing that happened or didn't happen or you wanted to happen, right? Cause I feel like a lot of times as black people, especially as black queer people, we have to dream 
up these relationships or we have to like hold on to these moments of like joy in in contention with um a lot of pain i feel like for me that's where like poetry is like a salve and like is like a beacon um oftentimes and i you know that's where the title comes from like how to live like living like a lot of these things guide me as well and i'm sure that as you all as poets like a lot of your poems and like those conversations with the living and with those who have passed on it's like also a heartbeat in there too yeah, yes to all of this. And I don't want to, I don't want to step on some of the questions I'm going to ask you. Cause I'm like, I feel like this happened before. I just got so excited. I was like, <laughs> I was like, wait, I want to ask you all the things now. So before I get there, Golden, can I ask you what's moving you these days? Yes. That's such a great question. It's such a great way to begin. What is moving me these days? Um, I feel like a love for family. A love for home, a longing for home. Um, yeah, I've been like, I feel like I've been, as much as I've been like speeding up, I've also been slowing down a bit. And I feel like that slowing down is like to have more attention to, to family and myself and like what my needs are. Like I'm, I just expanded to Brooklyn. I just, I'm like working in both Brooklyn and Boston, doing a lot of different things. And so I feel like the slowing down in the work helps it's always going to be people. I feel like always my people are the things that kind of move me. I love that answer. Oh, my God. Who don't mind me, God, and I just took a minute to take a breath. No, sometimes you got to take breaths. very tender. Sometimes <laughs> you got to take breaths. Also, you know, that's why I love to do a deep breath in the middle of, or after my poems or some of these poems because, like, there's so, that journey we went on, right? Like, there's so many journeys in this book. And, like, I'd like to tell people, like, if you read it at once, you read it, take your time, like, because... I even, I've been reading some of these poems for years, right? Like these poems come out, like were written years ago sometimes. And every time I read them, I feel like I have to take this like moment to just sit and kind of resonate because like you said, like I have a lot of respect for the living and like a lot of respect for the life force of poems. And I feel like sometimes you really just have to like feel it, let it wrap around you and just like breathe, breathe through it, breathe through the life that was that like just exchanged, you know? And I love that because I love how evident it is in your work. Like, I love how how visible the fact that you're moved by your people is, like, when I touch your work. And it makes me, it makes me go think about, like, how I'm honoring the archival of my own folks. It makes me think about what it means to preserve people as they are now. And while, like... Where they're like not memories to us. They're not ancestors, but they're like, they are living folks who are changing and shifting too. And to like be archiving them at different versions of themselves as we're experiencing them. Um, so that's really, really beautiful. So touching on that archiving and the poems being living and thinking about the folks that you love as the folks who are most moving you, um, which again is something I'm always going to be touched by as a person who deeply, deeply like loves folks and appreciates folks. Um, I'm wondering about how you navigate the ethics of writing about people who you're in relationship with, or even thinking about some of your O's writing in the voice of people who you're actively in relationship with. Absolutely. That's such a great question. Um, and something I take very seriously. Obviously I have like a 25 relation, 25 year relationship with these people. Right. So it's very complicated. It's very deep. A lot of like, 
these people, I don't take on the voice of many people, and mostly they're my family members, people who usually they're my parents or my brother or something of that that nature. But I I remember this like conversation I had with my mom like a minute ago about just like my writing and like she's always like been like supportive, been like this is your like way of processing the world. And I think the more I've done more writing, I think more people have seen like how I write and like the care that I write with, right? And like these emotions that I have. And I think that she's she told me like very early on, like, you know, like I'm never gonna be upset about the things you write about because that's like your truth and that's something that you have to do for you. And it's something that I take very seriously. Like even when I like read that poem by my dad, like there are some tender subjects around our, our my grandparents and like um like my grandmother has dementia and Alzheimer's and it's you know it's not going it's not going well and like these things that I really want to hold with care but I think that because I I get so anxious to do them like and I don't do them without respect to like the space that I'm in like I don't do that poem all the time I've only actually done that poem like a couple times and I feel like um just having that like kind of relationship and communication that like I'm doing this as a way to like honor you um and also honor you in your fullness right like I think that um that poem I just did about my dad and then the poem that a lot of people know that I do call and I will always be a mother um about my mom like um both of those um have been in conversation with them and also like been a way to like really like um to honor like what it means to be a black parent like a black mother and a black father in its fullness right like I had to get to a point where I honored my mother as a woman before who who even knew who who I was right and I had to honor my father that he was a man before who I was and and at the same time like the metamorphosis you go through as being a mother and being a father while also trying to be for yourself is just like tremendous and like also like as a black mother as a black father from the south who like were two people who moved away and had to like start this life and try to like gain access to things that their parents you know didn't have like my granny didn't finish um college just so she can um so she can look after my mother when she got sick and like different things like that I feel like are these like lineages and I feel like um that work the, the the care that I have for that work and the presence that I have for it is the way I, I do it ethically. Um, and then I always send it, to, like, I always send it to them. I don't, like, write these in secrets. Like, my dad has the book. My mom has the book. My mom saw the poem. She's seen the poem several times. I was actually able to perform the poem in front of both of them for the first time last week when I did a show in Baltimore. I just have, a, I've grown in this relationship and I feel like that answer really, like, I mean, that question really resonates with me just because it's something I think about constantly when I'm writing. Can I ask you a follow-up question? Absolutely. Does that, um, being able to like share those poems with them and being able to talk to them about what you're writing, then being able to see you perform, do you feel like that increases like the intimacy that you have with them? Absolutely. I think that the more I have written, the more that the, my work has come out, I think that um, my parents have grown to really like see what I do. Like also like seeing the photos, like seeing the archives, like from them to see the whole process. Like they are part of the entire process of like me picking out photos for the book. Like I would be like 
um, like I would be messaging my mom and my dad be like, do you know this photo? Like what date was this taken? Like, do you remember what happened here? And it was actually just like this really, a thing that I didn't really think about, like when writing a book, right? Like it really did bring us closer because I think that they really saw how much I cared about our family's history. Like I told, I really like, one thing I remember talking about is that like, in making this not just a chat book, making this my first full length, I was like, I really wanted to be, um, I'm really focused around the idea of having a book dedicated to my family history, because now no one can ever say that you do not have an archive or a documentation of your family's history. If someone ever wanted to know what the Waters Golden family history is, the book is right here, right? Like yes. the photos are there of my grand, of my great grandparents, of my grandmother, of on their on their own land that they the the homes that they own, like the lineage of being from uh, a poor, um, you know poor communities and like just seeing the journey of like living and and all that really is important to me and I think it's really important to them and also especially because like my granny was a poet my um pop-up was a photographer and never got the chance to like really see their work you know on a large scale and now there's a book that has like their work or you know and um, lineages of their work resonated in it. Like there are photos that of my grandfather that are in here um, that he has taken and stuff like that. And so like all those things are really, really important to me. Um, and just like performing poems in front of them, performing these poems to him, like um, that was the first time I've ever done that. And it was something that was new for me, but um, I really enjoyed it. It meant the world to me that they could come out just because like, it's one thing to like, for them to like read it on their own, but to them like witness it, for them to really like understand, like to see me perform is different than to read it in a book, right? Like that's completely different. And like, I don't know, there's just moments where I feel like I just leave my body and like the poem connects with them. Like in this weird way, like the poem becomes a bridge between, like a bridge between us, especially in the times where we're like, you know, having disagreements or they're stressed. Like I feel like, and I will always be your mother will always remind me that at the end of the day, my mom was going to be my mama no matter what. And like my daddy fought to be my dad, you know, you know, at the same time in the way he does. I hope that answered your question. It did, because I heard you say that they uh, watched you read this and I was like, oh, I'm scared. <laughs> that made me feel vulnerable. But then I was like, maybe <laughs> that feels like good or intimate in Golden Space. So I'm glad that you I'm, I'm glad that you answered. Mm-hmm. I also just want to take a second to shout out to listeners that if you don't have this book yet you need to cop it it's a dead name that learned how to live and you can get it at game over books um because they're referencing these images and i've seen them but if you haven't seen them you got to get into it thank you thank you and it's stunning i really i i'm so invested in um in your relationship to archival your relationship to your family even the idea of you bringing forth these images or these like pieces of your family history that would have otherwise been lost um that you're super committed to keeping alive um one of the things that really stuck out to me in this book is how much place and location resonates with it and how it for me feels like it shapes the like linguistic geography 
of the collection, specifically with these like black proverbs and turns of phrase that you're like taking and flipping up. Cause I would be reading, I would be like, I know this phrase and it wouldn't end how I thought it was going to end, which was like a beautiful moment of surprise. <laughs> um, to have the familiarity um, and, and, and the surprise in the same moment. And I just wanted to know um, how the South has shaped your language um, for this collection and anything else you're working on. Absolutely. I mean, the South is my everything. It is everything that has made my language. And I feel like it is the ethos of the way I write. Um, I'm a very lyrical poet. I write in a lot of like, not rhyme per se, but like a slant rhyme, like a lot of like turns of phrases, like like you said, like something that sounds like it belongs in a song or a hymn. I really love a poem that sounds like a hymn or sounds like a song because I feel like I can't sing and I feel like poetry is the way I sing. So mm. I feel like um, that's really important for me. And I think that, I don't know, like I felt like when I was first doing, when I first moved to New York and I really started to like take, um, like poetry seriously, like doing slams and different things like that. I felt like when I first started, it didn't feel like there was space enough for like where I was from or like where I, where I like grew up. And I felt like there wasn't, um, I didn't, I wasn't interacting with many Southern poets and I didn't have like, just like that uh, connection. And like a lot of things that I would try to write, like um, I just felt like people didn't understand. And so I felt like, for me, actually, like, going back down south, I wrote a lot of these poems down south or just, like, being in conversation with, like, the south and the black south. And I think that really helped me just, like, also regain that language and, like, really, um, um, like, transporting back into that, that younger self really helped me, like, elevate that language, too. So, yeah, I really love black speech. I really use a lot, a lot of it and also just, like, like you said, like a lot of, um, also a lot of things that are inspired by songs or, um, yeah, different things like that. I feel like I can see, um, when you talk about music, because everything that I feel like I read by you, I feel like I'm, I'm caught, I was going to say stuck, but stuck is not the right word. I'm caught in this rhythm and I'm writing it, um, and so that's really beautiful. I was I was thinking about the place of Black Proverbs, even in the opening poem you wrote, because you said something. Um, what what I'm gonna butcher the line, so please correct me. But um, if you can't balance a checkbook, you can't you can't balance a gun, a pedestal, a myth. I don't know how it goes in order, but yes, I know a lot you're yes. talking about. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I never heard my family say that, but I have. Like, yes. you know what I mean? I've heard that that setup of that turn of phrase and so there's just something so so beautifully like familiar and accessible in the blackness of this that I was really invested in how that shaped your language mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. I was wondering about how you shape your language in conjunction with how you navigate form mm -hmm. because I also think that what you're doing formally and structure wise is so fascinating um, especially like the X, X, Y, Y, the use of the contrapuntals and like the juxtaposition. So I think hearing Ajane talk about the flipping of the phrase and then me thinking about the flipping of forms, I'm wondering how, um, whether or not language and form have a connection to you, a relationship. If so, how do you, how do you navigate that relationship? 
Absolutely. I feel like, I don't know, I feel like most of the poets that I, that I talk to, most of the Black poets I know are always writing their form. And I feel like even if we don't, like, have this, like, kind of, like, maybe it's not, like, a necessary, like, structure or, like, this kind of, like, thing that is a visual form, but I feel like every time I'm listening to, like, really poets I really love, I'm like, there's a form here. Like, there's a cadence. Like, there's something that's bringing us back. And so I feel like it was actually very natural for me to write in form. But um, to think about, like, the X, Y, X, X and these the forms that in the book that are are surrounded around like these like um gender chromosomes um I was writing this poem the first poem that I wrote and that was the original xy xx and then there's other poems like twin and some other ones that are also exploring that that form and I was just like writing this poem and I every time I wrote a line I felt like I was like thinking of two words at the same time like I could I was like I want to talk about both of it and then, so I think that after a while, I just like tr- uh, challenged myself and I was like, I'm going to remove the last line um, from each, like the last word from each line. And I was like, there's something else I want to say too. And I felt like there's always been this like kind of bubbling nature inside me where I'm like, sometimes I'm in a poem and I want to say multiple things at once. And I was like, how do I do that um, with respect to like what I'm talking about? And so I think that it was naturally at first for to talk about gender and how it really like impacted me as a person who was non-binary. And I feel like it kind of like, it's this kind of um, this convergence of language, right? Like this convergence of like, like this little convergence of like also like location, right? Like being from the South, but living in the North at the time of writing this, like growing up with very like, traditional values of uh, traditional ideas around gender and then being in the north and having these kind of radicalized versions of gender and I felt like like my life felt like this storm and I wanted the poem to feel like this storm of like Mm. being thrown in and out of this kind of like conversation of like who are you right like where where do you exist like where can you really thrive and I felt like the xyxx poem feels like a form that like allows me to be the fullness of it right um actually like even in the book, it's only one poem, but like in the second book that I'm writing, the twin poem is actually a, a, a diptych and it's the same poem written back in X, Y, X, X because it's a conversation between, then it's become the conversation between me and my twin and we're both mm. non-binary and then we both are like, who is speaking to each other at this point, right? And I'm just really fascinated with what happens when like the universe of poems can match the universe of living because I feel like that's really where it is, right? Like poetry isn't this kind of like on the page removed kind of like practice that I think some people think about. Like I think about poet poems as like the living and breathing in between, in between people and in between things. And I feel like for me, I really want wanted to hold all that, but in a way that was very black. And I feel like that's where a lot of the the switches and the turns in lay, language, like I'm thinking about twin right now and like think about how the first line is like, bitch, you are improper. You aren't improper to love. You are impossible to gun without the world watching me turn to genocide. And it's like, what does it mean to reclaim bitch? Like, what does it mean to have that be um, the ethos in which I start? And also, right, like, what does it mean to be Black in writing, knowing you're writing in form, knowing you're writing in this legacy of like who is who is allowed to be seen as a formalist, who is allowed to be seen as like other yes. these things, and to reclaim it in this black and queer way, and like 
like I'm not ignorant. I know I'm doing these things as I'm writing, right? Like I know I'm doing these things and I do it on purpose to say that like we're always in this conversation. We always and always have been. And right now, like even as the poem as if I'm saying, and I will always be a mother necessarily, people would hear that and say, that's not a formalist poem or that's not a formal poem, but it is, right? Like it's written to be a heartbeat, right? Like that is a that is a cadence that that is a, a form that I have that I thought of um, when I was writing that poem and thinking about other ways. And I'm just really fascinated with it. Um, and I feel like it also just like being in this contemporary ethos of so many Black poets who are really expanding and really like um, like you know really running with it. I'm thinking about Inco- uh, Nicosi, um, just like his work and what he's doing with the. Um, black chessboard poems and, and the black the, ch- the chessboard poems and thinking about um, Ariel Marie and like all the work uh, they're doing and they're working also like Denez I feel like is a poem is a poet who maybe not seen as a formalist but like I think that summer somewhere is a formal is a formalist poem like I just feel like there's so many people who I can point to where I'm like I'm really excited about this just like the expansiveness of blackness equals the expansiveness of what we're writing about and what we're thinking about. Oh, I hear a theory forming. <laughs> baby. Because I love the idea of not just being like we're creating forms, but reimagining what we think the form is. Cause that just messed me up. Like the idea of like this, no, this poem is a form in, in its rhythm and sound because it's mimicked after a heartbeat. What? Absolutely. No, I'm ready to grab my notebook. Go like I will you. I will really say I will really say and I will always be your mother and the poem I just read to dance to your father is the same form. Is the exact same form. And I feel like the poem the um, and I feel like honestly like I could probably go through my poems and be like this this poem is the same this is the same exact poem. Like I could be like I don't know I honestly don't have all the time right now but I really do think that sometimes like a form can be about like the way you you like literally perform the poem like and I really have been thinking about like how do I hold all that on the page but also like I even think like I even think about this in like spanning like thinking about like the way I do self-portraits like these are all forms that I'm like falling into and like thinking about and who is to say what a poem is right like I think about that's why I really am enamored by visual poems visual forms like even like the ones that aren't necessarily visual, like I just think that they just get my brain going. And I just think that it's just really exciting to think about this in a more expansive way. I, Golden, I love that so much, especially because I think about the, I think about the idea of like who form is supposed to be for um, and, and who is able to embody form. And the idea of form being being able to be something that doesn't exist until it reaches the body, until the poem reaches the body, is is really beautiful to me. Um, and it being about the way the work is performed and the way the work is shared, um, especially as you're talking earlier about um, with the XXXY form, about trying to translate the embodied like experience onto the page in this formal way it almost feels like the inverse of that of then ensuring that something that might not be visible in the same way a like 
villanelle, you know, is visible on the page is then like accessible through the body. That's gorgeous. Golda, where that essay at? <laughs> where that craft talk at? Maybe one day, one day, <laughs> one day. Where the workshop so I could sign up? Listen, uh, I'm gonna do it one day. One day, I'm gonna definitely. I'm gonna call y'all. I'm gonna call y'all. Listen, mm-hmm. let's build that syllabus. It's you say less. Call me a spot. Listen, <laughs> I do want to ask you about your self portrait work, which I absolutely. I actually use your self portraits um, in my in one of my syllabuses, um, and it was super exciting. It was very cute. Sin, you can cut this later. Sorry, um, but it was very. You cute. don't have to cut this. That's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, made, that made my day. That made my day. And my um, uh, what what I don't remember the title of the workshop. That looking in the mirror course. Um, that's right not the, in the mirror. Writing the mirror. Thank you, Bess. Um, my writing the mirror course um, for black writers. I had your um, portraits. Your port. You had a portrait series. I forget who was published with, and I used it. And it was wasn't even just the fact I was excited to have you on my syllabus. The more exciting thing was the attendees being like, "Oh my gosh, Golden's on a syllabus! I'm such a big fan." It's <laughs> my whole day. I really love when people teach my work. It just makes me so thrilled and honored. So thank you so much. For- Yes, they were so they were so excited. Um, oh, so with that, um, I'm really interested in what self portraiture means for you, and if it's shifted anything in how you approach the page. Absolutely, um, that's a great question. Um, I feel like self portraiture for me um, really is a way to just slow down and really figure out like what I'm feeling and how I'm feeling in that in that moment um my project on learning how to live started um when I started my residency with um the city of Boston in 2020 it was like during the pandemic and everything was closing down I just felt really isolated and I was like really just wanting something to do for myself and I was able to get the money to buy a new camera I hadn't had a camera for four years and so like self-portraits was something that I always did. And I feel like self-portraits always have this way of like reminding me who I am and where I come from. But at the same time, like reminding me that I'm like of this world and, and of this body and like with um, in, in conversation with so many people, like a lot of my portraits are in my home. And so I feel like it has really um, allowed me to just take inventory on like where I live and like how I'm living like um and I, I take portraits with different family members and different friends and I feel like each of them is a way to also build this living archive and um um t- the last part of your question is like what is what has it helped in my or has it shifted anything in my work to the page and I feel like absolutely like I feel like like even when I was like building the book because I got the chance to like like build the design like with uh, my friend and like pick out the photos and like pull them in different places like it really allowed me to have um, it. Like I went back and edited some of the poems. Like I feel like I really wanted to hold the whole story. And so I feel like um, taking self-portraits and also just like being working with archival photos have really just like helped me um, have a just different attention. Like I feel like I look, I look around the room more when I'm writing poems. Like I'm able to take inventory more. I'm able to like, if something's going on in the corner of that scene, like I think I'm able to like really 
hold that and really try to push it in, put it in. And I feel like even when I was like editing some of the book as I was thinking about photos, like I think each of them are always in conversation. What you just said reminded me of something that Christina Sharp said. I love um, Christina Sharp. In the wake is my Bible. Yes. It's my second like I'm not gonna lie, my black sec- my black Bible. I'm like Christina Sharp's in the wake. Listen, she did not have to go in like that, but she really did. I'm not gonna lie, that was like Listen. the thing that honestly, like this book is in conversation with In the Wake. It's so, like the book I'm writing actually right now is in conversation with In the Wake, but she really changed my life in like 2018. Um, that book. Sorry. She is okay. She didn't have to bless us like that, but she did. So <laughs> I'm glad that you <laughs> I'm glad that we're on the same page there. Cause I was gonna say what you just said about uh being able to see the things in the corner of the room, being able to like shift the lens reminded me of something that she said um in regards to like looking at a certain portrait and being able to see how neatly a girl's braids were tightened and being able to say, Okay, I can tell that the person cares for this person because her braids are like freshly done. It's just the idea that our attention goes beyond what's on the surface, like down beneath things and beneath the layers is so cool. Um, and I love that that's, I love your connection with that support literature in your writing. Um, you referenced your your new book. What's T? Love to hear it. I'm dead. <laughs> listen, listen. Uh, the funny thing is that, so I was writing this book. This book was supposed to be a chat book. And then when we put the photos in, it was like, this is too long, so this is a book book. And like, I put more poems in. But honestly, there's a whole other book that I have that I've written that was like done around the same time. It's like, I was mm-hmm. writing that book. And actually, the poem that was in Muzzle Magazine was like the preamble to the next book, because the next book is inspired by that series. And when they come for me, reprise. Um, shout out uh, buzzlebagazine.com shout out go there to read Golden's excellent amazing poem and also to hear Golden and read that poem thank you Um, and so yes um, the book is really much about like America the election um, nationalism legacy blackness and everything the being in between and I feel like that book is also really centers the self-portraits like there's only one self-portrait in the in this book and I kind of like give these like hints to the next book because like the self portrait is the last photo in the book, the and I will and I will come in when they come for me reprise is the last poem in the book. But this next book is just about like 2020, 2020 time period. Like, what does it mean to really grapple with America and how it's really let a lot of people down and continues to let a lot of people down and how we're moving and grappling with like just living. Um, and yeah, I feel like um like there's some poems that are that are out from the book that if people want to read them and stuff like that. Like I have another and when they come for me reprises in the Yale Review. Um and that poem is after Danette Smith and that poem is about is is in conversation with the next book. I feel like that book is a lot more for what people know me for, I guess I would say like it's a little bit of a rah rah. It's a little bit of a it's a little bit of a drag em by the edges. I know that's right. <laughs> it's a little bit of, you know, it might be a little honest. I feel like I gave the people the first book was like, you know, tender, you know, was a journey. You know, it's cute. But I kind of really like let America have it in this one, in this next book. So we're going to see. We're going to see. But yeah, I'm like, um, still I love a good dragon. Listen, you know, we got to, we got to. It's complicated. But I also am trying to write more about love, write more about relationships. Like, 
Um, I think this book is a lot about like being in relation to so many things, uh, to America, to people, to places, to things. Has the process for compiling the second book been different than the process for the first? Absolutely. Um, I feel like the hardest thing, which I kind of didn't realize, is that a lot of people don't want to publish books with photos in it. And so I feel like that is a big hurdle for me because a lot of my manuscripts just aren't the same without the photos. And I feel like oftentimes when people read my work, I feel like they don't really understand like the context of it all, um, especially if you take the self-portraits out. So right now I've just been thinking about like how to place the work and also like how to find more publishers who are open to potentially doing um, collaborations and, and want to do stuff in photo work because, you know, a lot of people like resonate my work because of the self-portraits. And I know that people would be upset if the book did not have some type of photo aspect. But at the same time, like compiling the work has actually been, um, at the same time, like been pretty easy because it's been like happiest poems I've written like two two years ago at this point or like a year ago. And I feel like, Right now, I've just been focusing on, like, writing more about myself, which I think is the hard, actually the hardest part. I feel like I write a lot about other people and other things a little bit more easily, but I feel like writing about myself is a little bit harder. So I feel like I've just been trying to push myself to write different things, but also taking my time within that. Yeah. What makes writing about yourself harder for you, if you don't mind? that question like if it's not too invasive no I love this question put me on the hot seat right that's what I'm here for (laughs) put me on the hot seat I feel like it's hard because when I think about like when I think about myself I feel like it's easier to take a photo and I feel like because a photo can like capture so many emotions that like I feel like when I write of myself I'm trying to figure out how I feel and it's easier for me to think about how I feel in relation to other people than it is in relation to myself. And I think that definitely has to deal with like the like my ADHD, just like um, my OCD, like, and also just like how I think about myself in relation to the world. Um, and it's not that like um, like I would say the poem that is published in the in Muzzle Magazine was me writing. I get to a point where I'm writing about myself and I, I really love that poem because it forced me to really be honest about what I wanted. Like, I, and I think that like being honest about what I wanted in relation to people. And I feel like that sometimes is a little bit stressful um, just because I feel like there's so much more vulnerability and just like standing in like emotions that might not be necessarily things that I feel like I'm, I'm proud of. Right. But I feel like that's where I think the photos help me is because like, some like oftentimes I'm not looking for like a perfect photo and I feel like sometimes I have to like check like tell myself when I'm writing that like I'm like this doesn't have to be this like bookend thing and also like it ha- sometimes vulnerability is the is the path and sometimes it doesn't have the end like I feel like sometimes the poem's end can be in a place of like uncertainty I love like as a person who like likes to write these very like poems that kind of like have these rap at the end or like have this kind of like convergence on one idea or one thing so I feel like sometimes when it comes to myself like I'm like well I feel 97 things and I feel like sometimes forcing myself to like stop there is okay um but even though it's the hardest thing I feel like those are some of the poems I really love the most like the poems that I'm really just like 
unafraid of the vulnerability that comes with like really sitting with like how you feel and also just like how the world might perceive it like I really I feel like I'm just like getting to a place where I don't really care (laughs) and I feel like that's an important place that's an important place to be in because it has to be me you know it'd be hard it'd be hard (laughs) I don't know why like I could go up and do it like not all the time but like I could probably, like, it's so, like, to me, like, writing and I will always be a mother was so much easier than, like, writing in the, and when it comes to me reprise because of just, like, and I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why, but it's important to do both. I would love to ask you, um, we ask everybody who comes this, if you had to choose three people from any genre, any genre whatsoever, who you feel like we would need to look at what they do in order to understand your work. Who would those three people be? Absolutely. The first person that popped into my head was Deanna Lawson. I love Deanna Lawson. She's a photographer. She's a Black photographer who photographs a lot um, in people's homes as well. And she's just one of the most amazing, like some of the work she does, I'm just like so enamored by her, like how she makes um like I would say like I think she photographs a lot in like the black south as well um but I could be wrong but um she makes the home feel like limitless and like also but also feel like um very like lived in um and I really love the vulnerability that she shows with black people yeah so I really love their work um I really love Danette Smith. I feel like Danette Smith was really the poet that really, like, I think really, I think sonically really made me feel like I could be all the parts of myself in a poem. And I feel like hearing their work really, like, allowed me to feel like it's okay to be, I don't know, like, it's okay to be a little ratchet. Like, it's okay to be Southern. It's okay to be Black and queer. And I feel like really, like, made me, um... And I feel like that, like, in that lineage, I feel like I was able to, like, um, really, like, not, like, really, like, push myself to, like, honor all the parts of, like, my language history. And I really love, love their work. And then, um, last but not least, I'm gonna be cliche. I'm not cliche, but I'm gonna say, like, my family. Like, I feel like, um, like... I would not be the poet or the photographer who I am without my grandparents, without my parents, without my my siblings. And I feel like there's a reason why I began and ended with this work, right? And I feel like it's really important. Um, I pull a lot of inspiration from, like, the people around me, and I necessarily don't have, quote-unquote, these, like, idols, I guess you would say, in necessarily the art world, because I feel like, like, when I think about the rate the like why I wanted to do photographs the first thing I think about is growing up in households where like they were lined with family photos they were lined with uh photos of myself of myself and the people around us and I feel like without that example like I wouldn't be here I wouldn't be anything so um shout out to Unionville shout out to Hampton um shout out to my family um yeah I really I really they my inspirations. They my people. They make it worth it. So yeah. 
Okay, nothing. So we got to study your peoples. We got it. We got it. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) That's also very consistent. Okay, Golden. We are going to be playing a little game called Fast Punch. But before we start, we need to know, do you want to be an optimist or a pessimist today? Wow, that's such a great question. I'm going to be an optimist today because I'm going to need the optimism. I'm going to be an optimist. I know that's right. Listen, I'm going to walk on faith. Listen. Period. Even when it's damn bad. I'm going to walk on faith. I'm going to walk on faith. I'm going to be on the optimist. The way I love this. Listen. Boom. Okay, so then we're going to give you something. So Fast Punch is quick, rapid fire. We're going to give you a category, and you're going to give us the best thing in that category. That. All right, you ready? Mm -hmm. I'm ready, best. You go first. All right, best black saying. Wow. Black saying. Okay, black saying. Dang. Okay, okay, okay. Y'all know I got ADHD. You know I've been having to think about these. (laughs) Okay, fast. Okay, fast. I mean, y'all know fast for me. It's like, I want to think about it. Dang, what's a good one? What's a good one? I would just say nigga. I love nigga. It's my favorite <laughs> word. I know. I know what's up. I may not even be a saying, but listen, I would say nigga every day. Every day. It's multifaceted. Just be like different ways. You be like nigga, nigga, yes. nigga. Like there's different levels to it. I love nigga. Nigga's such nigga, such a great word. Like that's, nigga, that's the- like, nigga. <laughs> we love a versatile, uh, a versatile. <laughs> best poetic device. Oh, wow, 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 wow. Poetic device. Okay, also, please, I don't want to be wrong to say, like, okay, so can someone just clarify device just so I can make sure I'm not the one. I'm, I do have it in my head, but I don't want to be wrong. That's the thing. So, I best you the English teacher. I'm thinking, like, I'm alliteration, thinking, simile. Yeah, yeah all like them that. things. Okay, all I'm going to say anaphora. I love a repetition. Like, I'm going to keep yes. repeating something in a poem. <laughs> If you know me, you know all my poems probably got the same couple words in it, but it's okay because it's a different poem. It's okay. Yeah, I know that's right. Anaphora, love her, love her, love her. Love that. Okay, best Southern food. Wow, y'all can't y'all can't put me on the spot like that. Okay, I'm gonna describe best Southern plate. I want some crab cakes that are fried, not bowl, not bowl, and I want fried crab cakes sandwich and I want a side of mashed potatoes, a sweet a sweet potatoes and a side of uh, mac and cheese and some collard greens. That's my Ooh. that's my southern plate. That yes. plate is right. Listen, with that the Lord. Right. With the Lord. <laughs> oh, best place to take a selfie. My house, my room. I'm chilling. Ooh. I got good I got good little lighting come through the window, and y'all know I be doing the self portrait, so I be trying to hook it up. <laughs> yes, love that. Best fabric to get dressed up in. Mm. That's hard. I'm gonna say either satin or, oh no, a silk, a silk, or I'm gonna say something that has velvet, and I'm gonna throw um, honorable mention to leather. Mm. Like a leather dress I like the or a spice leather, of leather, a yeah. leather. I wore this like leather dress and leather gloves the other day, and I said, "I just feel like luxurious, like a bad itch." And yes, per. I'm gonna have to get into leather. <laughs> Best place to brainstorm. Oh wow! I'm either gonna say the shower 
Um, or my bed. I feel like I write most of my poems either in the shower or my bed. So that's a place to bring poems for me. Oh, man. Okay, Golden, you won the game. <laughs> Yay! Ding, ding, ding! Woo! Also, you have my favorite. Your reactions every time we toss something out. It was fresh. It was fresh shock and surprise every time. <laughs> Listen, I'm telling you, I'm going to be authentic. I'm not going to lie. I get those for a curveball every time. I was like, okay, I don't know what's going to go, but I'm down for the, you know, I'm down for the curveball. I'm not going to play the game. Every down time for the you something, your eyes like, <laughs> I said, oh, I'm overcording. Let me make sure I got this right. Let me make sure I got my words together. Hello. Oh, my gosh. So the thing about this show is that winning the game really means that we win the game because you win the game and then we get to hear you read a final poem to close us out. Oh, thank you. Okay, I can definitely close it out. I'm going to do a newer poem that's outside the book. Um, And this is a poem from this new book I'm working on called Reprise. Um, And this is after the next mess. This is And When They Come to Me, Reprise. America, even when you sing bombs bursting in air, I know there is a good Milky Way God, reversed and paralleled. A sweet Orion eye brings to our ears an arrow towards just for black girls who never got to stay with the same name. We always look good in an ivory-skinned summer. In a river-washed gown, death is the darkest hour for those who live thinking they don't belong here as a criminal, as a savior, as a skull sibling on earth return, as a daughter in a dove. I'm never alone, even when I'm in the mouth of sharks, because I'm kin to serpents. We retrieve our supper to shed new shields, almighty worlds. Islands of misfit men and menaces, you can have some place and never find my heaven. I am home. In the arms of the armed, I am home in thee. Mouths of mothers, I am home and no one is afraid to end. You will always be my subject, Black heaven. Black people, we are never without wings. You a treat. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. has my whole heart do you hear me (laughs) so much (laughs) listen that was everything I feel like golden made me think not just about family but when they said that they were like we were talking about forum and they said something like they're fascinated when the universe of poems matches like the universe of the living yes that got to me what That made me think so much more intentionally about like, okay, in what ways is my daily, in what ways is the mundane showing up in my poems? Is what, in what ways could my poems be an archive of like my daily, like lived self? Yes. Oh, no, I think about that a lot too, because I think about how our embodied experiences shape our poems. Yeah. Um, Or even shape the way we look at form or lineage, like. When Goda was talking about their XXXY form. Yes. Which is fucking. <laughs> hearing them explain it though. Like I got it. But then like hearing them. I was like oh. Oh this is even wilder. And let me tell you. In all my years. I swear I would never. <laughs> these brain cells over here would never. <laughs> <laughs> my 
last and they were just so casual. Like, I'm like, oh my God, brilliant just at brilliant. its finest. I think also hearing them talk about forum and talking about their forum inspirations and also acknowledging forum is a thing that has always belonged to black folks, which I think is so important because so many people, myself included, felt locked out of forum for such a long time. Yeah. Um, so hearing them talk about their influences made me think about just like the the process of understanding and learning your lineage, the process of teaching other poets. And it makes me wonder best who's on your Who's on your syllabus like? Are there folks who show up continuously no matter what workshop you're teaching or, you know, what class you're in? Mm, oh, God. I'm going to include Alice Walker and Tozaki Shange and Angel Nafis. A real one. A real one. I love that list person. And it's also why I stay <laughs> in your damn workshops. <laughs> <laughs> problem um i don't know i think that i think the mind shift i love how you said in this season because i definitely was like oh it it fluctuates but i think the most constant folks are tony morrison always Mm -hmm. so i just don't think at this point that there's like a text or a quote or an interview that she doesn't have that's not resonant with something that i'm teaching again even in my classroom um she touches my classroom every single year so tony morrison um Rachel Eliza Griffiths yep. has been, I think, that on every sense. syllabus I've taught for quite a minute. And Wanda Coleman. Period. That's that's my three right now. My heart. Listener, it could be a completely different list three days from now. <laughs> <laughs> my list is gonna be the same. I'm pretty I'm pretty stuck in my way. <laughs> It'll be five years and I'll be like, damn, maybe I should, you know. <laughs> Razzle dazzle it a little bit. Um, oh my heart that that's a beautiful list okay Bess who do you want to thank today um, in the spirit of talking about our parents as people whoever the cameraman was that recorded the picture of my mother in this purple dress going out to party with her sorority sisters you are that one because I, I want you to know whoever you are wherever you are today that that is the only picture I have of my mom on like some I'm kicking and shit. Like that's the picture my mama showed me to flex to be like, excuse you, Miss Man. <laughs> like, she I said too. right now I'm not a mama. <laughs> um, and I think much like Ajade, I very much only have access to certain parts of my mom. But I think something that for me was always different is that, I don't know, I think I, I got my granny spirit in me. <laughs> so even as a kid, I was like, nah, I belong to myself. You belong to yourself. I want you to be you. I want to be me. <laughs> I want you to do what you want to do. So I'd be like, mommy, your skirt should be shorter. Your hair should be. <laughs> and she's like, I'm a mother. So finally, one day she pulled out this picture and I was like, well, look at you. Well, let's bring that back. <laughs> and she's like, the era is gone. But that is the only photographic evidence I have of that era. So shout out to whoever took that pic at the club in the way that if you from the D, you know what Detroit club pictures look like. It was one of them. It's a, it's a I classic. know that's right. <laughs> who are you thinking today, classic. Um, Who am I thinking today? You know what? I was about to try to make it all complex, but I didn't even got that in me. I think I just really want to thank my mama. Aww. Like, hey, mommy. Truly, hey, mama, if you're listening <laughs> to this, 
just truly a baddie, like in every level, just wildly, wildly brilliant. Um, And I talk a lot about one of the gifts of getting older has been growing in a very particular kind of love with my mom. Um, Love and like still daughterhood, but a daughterhood that also has a kind of friendship in it. That is very unexpected because, you know, I never been one of her little friends, but like I'm low-key one of her little friends now. Like we low-key be rapping. Listen. <laughs> low-key. Like, and I love that for me. We would like to also offer our thank yous to the Poetry Foundation, Itzel Blanca, Sodami Noriega, Elon Sloan, Sin Pim, and Ombi Productions. Please like, rate, and subscribe wherever it is you listen to podcasts and be on the lookout for our resource sheet. Until next time, bye!